Welcome to Walking with the Archetypes, the podcast which gives you keys to claiming your personal power. For more than a decade now, I've studied the King, Warrior, Magician, Lover archetypes, and in this time of great turmoil, I will reveal their secrets. My name is Ivan Fingenskjær-Schellum, founder of Men's Initiation, Reclaim Your Inner Throne, and it's time now to head outside and walk with the archetypes. Hey people, I'm walking down a path down to a secluded beach close to where I live. It's a beautiful day. And as I was walking along the ocean frontier, the air was so sweet with the fragrance of all kinds of flowers. The rhododendrons are just really, really blooming right now. And lilacs are starting to get a little bit old close to dying for the season, but all kinds of other flowers coming out as well. So just so sweet here. And uh, it's time to speak about uh, war. We're going to speak about the uh, different kinds of war fought by the warrior archetype and the magician archetype, respectively. It's a very, very interesting topic to me. I started to get interested in this just a week ago. And um, I was reflecting on how in world history we have seen that wars have predominantly been fought by the warrior archetype. Just like head on, just you know your enemy, you look him in the eye and you just fucking, you know, take an axe to your chest or something like that. But the magician archetype is of a completely different kind. And this is an enemy you don't see and the fight is fought with much more subtler means. And this is the conversation that we're going to go into today. And I think this is going to be an eye-opener to you. So let's dive into this. The norm in human history is war, not peace. And uh, we have had an unprecedented stretch of harmony, peace, since the end of the Second World War. And the very fact that you're even able to have conversations around trauma healing and self-regulation and not conversations around, oh, where are we going to find food to eat today? That's, that's a hell of a leap in, um, in quality of life and the kind of society and culture that we inhabit and strangely we have found a way to use those times of unprecedented peace to start complaining about how horrible life is and um, have a culture of uh, victimhood in the midst of these rather good times and that's a hell of a paradox if I've ever seen one but here's the deal what I see is once we have the opportunity to actually regulate to actually drop our guard, we start to recognize the kinds of wounds that we have carried all along. So in that sense, it actually makes a lot of sense that in times of peace, we start to process the wounds and the pains and traumas of times of war. So war is the norm and 
War is the battle of two or more powers for some kind of supremacy. We've seen how my culture, the European culture, has been in large part shaped by various warrior cultures of the past. Be it the Romans or the Greeks, you know, the Spartans of course are legendary, you have the Athenians and people of Thebes that were not quite as warrior-like but still formidable fighting forces. And then of course you have the Vikings here in the, the Nordics and various empire builders that came later on in the in the later centuries of of the second millennium so so we've seen how ubiquitous this conflict this warrior archetype has been and so we've come to associate war with a particular kind of flavor it's it's bodies on a battlefield it's cities raised to the ground it's spoils of war it's very much a visible threat a visible carnage a visible pandemonium you can see bunkers from world war ii scattering the landscapes of various countries of europe uh, the um the norwegian uh, countryside and nature is one of them you can find various bunkers there and of course you can also find wreckages on the on the bottom of uh, the ocean you have the 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 bleacher inside of the oslo fjord it's very visible very tangible you know you torpedo a boat it goes down this is how we see war but war is so much more and i think it's important here to realize the strategic component and the component of deception and of using the mind against your enemies. The legendary war general and strategist Sun Tzu is a master of this. And so while we have come to associate war with like Genghis Khan and Attila the Hun and Romans and all these there's there's a different war that is I'd say pioneered by Sun Tzu and these these two kinds of war where we have very much a straight on plunge the weapon into them kind of approach and then the the Sun Tzu approach where that head-on war is actually the last resort that you need to use the enemy's mind and, and, and loyalties and feelings against him now we're entering into magician territory see so let's explore the warrior art of war shall we say in this first part and then return to the magician out of war in the second part. So I've already mentioned the, the Romans. You know, you have the Roman legionnaires that were, well, legendary. I don't know if there's a etymological connection between legionnaires and legendary. I just saw that for the first time. But the legionnaires being, being 
organized into legions of 6,000. 6, and at the height of the Roman Empire, my understanding is that the Romans had 30 legions. So 30 times 6,000, 180,000 leg legionnaires that had been trained in a very particular form of war where you had the large shields that formed shield walls and so they would hide behind these shield walls and whenever the enemy would open fire with their their archery uh, they would put shields on top of themselves and basically make themselves impenetrable and so you would have these moving hedgehogs that would just penetrate deep into the enemy territory and be kind of immortal in that sense because these shields were just just a, a, a feat of engineering that was just very unique. And so the the hoplites of the Spartans, you know, with the round shields and the spears, and you know this from the popular movie 300 that depicts the battle between the armies of Xer the army of Xerxes, the small army of Xerxes, 300 men. Uh, no, the small army of uh, Leonidas, pardon me, uh, the Spartan king and the huge army of Xerxes, the so-called god king of the Persians. You see there how the, the hoplites use these uh, shields and these lances with great effect. So they had a bit of a similar strategy of using these huge shields and just hopping out behind the shields and penetrating the enemy with swords and lances where they least expected it. So the, the use of the shield combined with the penetration obviously is very important. Uh, with, um, with the Huns and the Mongols, my understanding is that the, the use of cavalry was a lot more common. And so they would just ride and just gallop over their, their enemies. And wow, seagulls, well, hello there. I can hear you. You want to be part of this, clearly. Okay, good. Let's, let's keep going then. Um, the, 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 uh, the cavalry of these savage people from, from the east, uh, Genghis Khan was obviously a legendary warlord um, and had a great deal of brutality, but also he was actually quite a progressive leader that uh, allowed people from foreign nations and foreign people to rise among, uh, among his, his people, to have a meritocratic system where as long as you you did well didn't matter what kind of caste and and race and ethnicity you belonged to as long as you did well you you belonged and so he was progressive in that sense but you know he boiled alive some of his enemies people who had betrayed him and he would well be savage absolutely savage in ways that were very visible as would Attila the Hun and various other warriors. The, the norm here is a level of strategic skill combined with brutality and the willingness to just slay people. So this strategy that we're talking about, of course, is associated with the magician archetype. The art of war is really a combination of the magician and the warrior. So a healthy strategist is, is someone that 
uses uh, psychology and pattern recognition based on observation of the enemy over a long period of time, but also strategic and tactical um, wit and you know the capacity to just get the enemy uh, on their toes and take them in an unexpected way. So all of this is magician capacity that may or may not be embodied in the same body and mind as the, the powerful warrior. But yet, but yet there is a new and deeper level of magician warfare than this. And, and we will return to that soon. Just consider for now that war fought by the warrior archetype. You can see it. Buildings burned, heads on stakes, um, you know, ramparts just torn to pieces by huge boulders lobbed with catapults, just battlefields full of dead people and vultures and ravens and crows just pecking out eyeballs, you know, this, this kind of gruesome sight that you come to associate with a pandemonium that has played out on the battlefield. You know this one. You can recognize this one. Question is, can you recognize the battlefield of the magician archetype? Join me after the break to discover what that looks like and how you can develop the capacities to recognize it because that may actually be more relevant right now than you may presently realize. So talk to you after the break. As a listener to the Walking with the Archetypes podcast, you are part of a growing minority of men who want to reclaim their personal power. You want to know why the world is still burning and why you keep experiencing the same problems over and over again. Most of all, you want to be free to live the life that you were born to live. Yet the reality is that we men are struggling with hearts full of shame and minds full of lies. Yes, we all lie and so do you. Our lives become days of quiet desperation. And what is the way out? Facing our demons and the truth of who we are. To help you do that, I have created the ultimate intro to masculine archetypes training, a powerful six week immersion into the themes of this podcast. And men are constantly raving to me about their breakthroughs after having gone through it. When you are ready to take the next step and give yourself this powerful experience, go to innerthroneacademy.com slash UIMA and use the discount code PODCAST for 10% off. And now, back to the program. Hey there, welcome back. It's time for us now to explore more that skillful manipulation deception of the magician archetype. As I already covered in part one, there, there is a component of uh, magician capacities in any kind of strategy, regardless of whether you have this refined capacity to manipulate your enemies' minds and hearts and souls. But, but, th but there's just a way in which this capacity to, to play your enemy, to play with their minds and to play with their sense of reality itself 
is really coming to the forefront of war in our times. And this is why we need to have a look at it. We also need to have a look at what war actually looks like in each and every one of our individual lives because it's always present. There is no way to escape war as an archetypal context for our lives. And um, I'll get back to that soon. I'm going to read a couple of translated passages uh, from Sun Tzu's Art of War. So here is one of his observations on the strategic offensive, to be on the offensive. In war, better take a state intact than destroy it. Better take an army, a regiment, a detachment, a company intact than destroy them. Ultimate excellence lies not in winning every battle, but in defeating the enemy without even fighting. This, this sentence is important. Ultimate excellence lies not in winning every battle, but in defeating the enemy without even fighting. The highest form of warfare is to attack strategy itself. The next to attack alliances, the next to attack armies. The lowest form of war is to attack cities. Siege warfare is the last resort. Now, I wouldn't expect a war that will ever be fought ever again to look like siege warfare of a city. It's just not the, the paradigm that war is being fought within anymore. But, but here is the sentence that I really want to highlight for you. Ultimate excellence lies not in winning every battle, but in defeating the enemy without even fighting. How could you do that? Well, you could confuse your enemy's sense of loyalties, turn him against himself, turn a nation against themselves, sow the seeds of discord in people so that you have civil war happen. Spread disinformation, false news, using agents and spies and propaganda to fully distort the reality perception of your enemies in such a way that they are no longer able to recognize who their true enemy is. And then the war is already won. And the, the actual warriors, the actual weapons, a mere formality. This is the kind of war that we are going to be seeing moving forwards. Spies have always been part of it. But these days, you see that information warfare is becoming more and more common. You see the whole malarkey around Rus Russian intervention in the democratic systems of the United States. And now there seems to be actually no evidence to support that this has been as widespread as some players would have it in the United States. But of course, the danger is there. The danger is there that you could literally hack an election and get a government in that is friendly to you, that serves your interests as the enemy of the nation whose election we're talking about. This could happen. Question is, is it already happening? Another uh, passage uh, from Sun Tzu's 
I am out of war here. Making plans. When able, feign an ability. When deploying troops, appear not to be. When near, appear far. When far, appear near. This is smoke and mirrors. This is deception. This is manipulation. Strategic genius. And not from the warrior sector. This is literally designed to warp reality for your enemy. And the army and the nation who gets this is going to rule this world going forwards because the time of war has not ended. The cycle is returning and it's up to these next couple of years for us to collectively determine if we're going to move into times of well perpetual peace or if we're going to return to a cycle of war in order to perhaps reckon with our shadows once and for all or perhaps move into the dark ages we will we will need to determine that ourselves but here's what i want you to consider we're moving from the time where war required muscle and brawn and a kind of head-on courage like the kind of Jocko Willink style of war where you send people behind enemy lines and you know they have their SWAT team and all this I mean it's still going to happen but it's it's going to have less importance in the overall strategy of war going forwards and and that means that there is a kind of penetrative masculine style of war that is starting to be phased out and we're starting to see the kind of power games that we more associated with the feminine where you have relational manipulation you have deception you have all kinds of messing with with people's sense of reality as i've mentioned several times that is where you win a war and so this is i think not widely recognized that there is certainly war being fought inside of a more feminine paradigm inside of the shadow feminine paradigm and we are there that's where we are that most of wars will be fight in the unseen realm wars fought by warriors are out in the open you can see them wars fought by magicians are invisible they are invisible and there are some cultures in this world that have a ruthless willingness to apply these kinds of strategies to move ahead so the question is if we were in the middle of a magician war right now would you even know it do you have the level of maturation in your magician sector to even be able to recognize that a war is being fought are you able to recognize the enemy in propaganda in fake news in manipulation of the public psyche 
in inciting civil war and internal discord in nations? Are you able to recognize that as acts of war? If you aren't, I don't think you're going to be able to understand what's happening in the world right now and what may still play out to an even greater extent over the next several years. As I said, fate of humanity still hangs in the balance where there are multiple timelines that are possible. But in order for the more desired timeline to play out, we need to have a massive resurgence or a massive empowerment of the capacity of people like you to navigate the magician sector in the unseen realms, in the energy realms, in the realms of psyche and soul. Here's the thing. If you don't choose your enemy consciously, you will default to war with yourself. This is true for a nation and it's true for you. And if you are a nice guy, you just want everyone to be your friend. You have already started a war with yourself. And you know it because you're feeling depressed. You lack self-respect. You lack boundaries. You're afraid of being exiled. You're afraid of what people will think of you when you speak the truth. What's happened? The enemy has won the war against you without even fighting. See? You don't realize that you have been taken out by hostile forces, be they real or archetypal. And so you have succumbed to internal war on yourself because you weren't willing to take a stand. And to take a stand in a powerful way moving forwards, you will still need to hone your warrior capacities. Make no mistake. You need to be healthy, fit, courageous, strong. But if you are not able to see spiritual war, psychological war, relational war, you will still lose. Because you will not be able to identify your enemy and by default you will go to war against yourself. Now that's all I have for you today. And you may now contemplate whether it's time for you to consciously take a stand and choose your enemy so as to not go to war on yourself. So this is a pretty intense topic that we went through today. And uh, this question, if we were at war, would you even know it, is one that might shake you quite a bit if you were to take it into your weekend next week. I don't mean to scare you here, though I do want to alert you to the kind of capacities that you will need to develop to be a player in uh, the creation of a new and better world. As I've said multiple times on this podcast in the past, we are in times where the energies of world war are stirring in the collective. And um, I don't want you to be naive. 
Although the next coming years are likely to be a very effective cure to naivete, I want you to have the opportunity right now to actually face the darkness in yourself and in the world in such a way that were it to fully blossom as a dark, nasty, toxic flower in the collective, you're not taken aback by it, but you're prepared and ready. But for now, let's just enjoy summer. It's, uh, yeah, it's such a sweet place here. I don't know if you can hear the seagulls, but you know, this bay down below my home here outside of Stockholm. It's, I've never been here before I moved here a couple of months ago and it's just super sweet. And the warm water is, yeah, it's become quite balmy by now. So I'm going to go in, have a little swim before I return to my day and lunch. And I just wish you a great, great weekend. And um, even though maybe I gave you a little bit more to chew on than you wanted today, I hope that you will return to walk with me and the archetypes again next week. Have a wonderful weekend, my friend. Much love. Appreciate you for taking this journey with me. And uh, be well. Talk to you next week. Thank you for joining me in this week's Walking with the Archetypes. It's been a pleasure to spend this time with you. And don't forget, you are invited to come walk with me next Friday when we will take another deep dive into the archetypal realms. To go deeper with this masculine operating system, head over to MasculineOS.com for a comprehensive free guide.